Football is about the Jimmys and Joes and X's and O's. Blue 58! Check New York Bozo! New York Bozo! 28, Baker Bruce! It's time to get out the chalkboard and diagram some plays. Here's where it all starts right here. Let's play! Gee, money, Christmas! What the hell's going on out here? This is Inside Football with former Colts and NFL coach Rick Venturi. Hey, welcome back to Inside Football with Rick Venturi. The intro gets you hyped every single time for some football talk, despite no game this weekend for the Indianapolis Colts. Week number 11, and the Colts have an off week to buy. The Colts have hit that coveted week off 10 games in. They're 5-5 five and five, thanks to back-to-back wins over the Panthers and the Patriots, and now they get ready for the home stretch. Seven games left, and we're breaking down how the Colts have looked so far this season with Rick Venturi, who is back again here on the podcast. Rick, how are we doing today, man? How was that uh, Germany experience back in the States here for you? Actually, Casey and I had a blast. We really did. It, it all went well. Uh, watching it on one hand, listening to you guys. You guys did a great job uh, at the game. Uh, really and truly, I, I do think that uh, that we caught the we caught the feeling, the vibe of how cool it was. As a matter of fact, I, <laughs> yeah. I missed it in that sense. Yes, and how cool it was, and obviously, when you win it, it makes it even cooler. But you could just sense the, you know, the the oneness of the game. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the 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 only game in town. I mean, all eyes and ears of the world is essentially on you. And that game, that game is getting better ratings than people think. I mean, people yeah. wake up. Uh, you know, looking forward to it. Uh, I thought the fact that it was, uh, you know, it was a must game for us, and, and Shane did not back away from that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Belichick made it thing even more interesting. And then the fact that it was such a dog fight, you know, I mean, some people don't like it as a defensive guy. I loved it. I mean, it was a dog fight right down to the last play. I mean, you know, Blackman's interception, uh, you know, God, what a play, what a play. Saved our season again. Yeah. So, you know, I think that that was, uh, you know, to be cherished. And you don't want to linger on it too long, you know. And I think particularly wins that become big wins, it's it's now it's probably good time for a break because you get that break, you know, you get, the, you get to, to take a deep breath. But I'm sure Shane has, you know, has told those guys and instructed – that when you walk walk back in this building, man, it is now a sprint. It's you know, on. We talk yeah. about a Monday night when yeah. when we started back in July. It's a marathon, and now it's a sprint to the finish. And we have to have a great sense of urgency. Um, this is something we can do. Um, the future doesn't have to be twenty four, twenty five. In my opinion, getting back to five and five and what I see ahead, uh, we totally control this twenty three season. And so, I mean, I think you got to put the emphasis on every game now is like a playoff game. Right. And I think Shane, he doesn't back away from that. It's one thing I really like about him. I mean, a lot of coaches will give you that, oh, it's just another game. No, none of them are another game now. And, and you know, my book has always been the futures now. You know, I'll worry about next year, next year. You, you go out to play every game. I mean, for me, for 27 years, whether I was good or bad, the next game was the Super Bowl for yeah. me. So. I mean, I think, you know, you say right now, the future's now. We're in control if we do the right things and we play well. No, you're exactly right. I mean, like we talked about on Monday night, the Colts, they squarely find themselves right in the mix. I mean, if you want to talk about, if you want one word to describe the AFC right now, Rick, it's parody. 
uh, because there are 11 teams in the AFC that are five and five or better. Yep. You got Kansas City, you got the Ravens. Those teams are maybe a cut above right now to this point in the season. Both of those teams have six victories, but that's it. Those are the only two teams in the conference that have above six wins. Even the, the Denver Broncos at four and five and, and 14th place in the in the conference, they're not out of the woods yet either. So that they can still make a push just like the Colts here. So seven games left. You're exactly right. These last seven, you know, you kind of define the season into three parts. You got the beginning, the middle, and the end, yeah. and the playoff push, I think, starts now, and you have to have that mentality uh, these last seven games because every game from here on out has a ton of magnitude, win or loss, about them the rest of the way. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think if you take, you know, because even Baltimore came back to earth. We've beaten Baltimore head up. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you take out, I would say this, the teams that have, have knocked me out either on tape or in person, Philadelphia, uh, San Francisco and Kansas City. Okay, you take those three out out of the mix, and then you you know you've seen some bottom feeders. We've played two in a row. Let's say you take three out of that mix, you know, and then you put twenty six of us in there, and and you shake a blanket on whoever gets hot. And I I I, I, I totally believe that to be honest with you. And even though I think the seven games are desirable, you could win all seven or lose all seven. It's not. You know, it's not like college where you're, yeah. you know, Nick is playing Chattanooga this week. I mean, we don't we don't have that advantage. You you don't win anywhere in the NFL without your A game. You know, mm-hmm. and I give you know we'll get into this, but you know I give Shane Steichen some credit for something that nobody's thinking about right now. I think you are, is his improvement as a game manager since Cleveland was really instrumental in these two games, even though statistically they're not beautiful. But he did and subjugated his own ego on offense to not turn it over. And he knew you could sense, we could all sense in both of these last two games. You never know going in, but we could sense right away that we could stuff their offenses. Yeah. And so it was, you know, the best path to victory was don't give them anything to cling to. Don't, don't, don't turn it over. Right, momentum. Don't give them yeah. a short field, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. Um, you know, don't do any of that, and we're gonna we're gonna win the game. Bill tried to come out and win the game nine to seven. That's all he was doing. He was, and I said that in the pregame. He was gonna he was gonna shorten the game, which he did. They won eleven minutes. They were eleven minutes plus in time of possession. He was gonna run the ball. You know, they got one hundred sixty seven yards, and he was gonna try to win the game somehow. Now, where we did a better job than he anticipated. Because uh, I think he was, he thought he could win in the red zone, and that's where we won the game. We won the game in the red zone. I mean, because there was really three drives in the second half, were 60 yards plus, but they got nothing out of them in the red zone but field goals, and mm-hmm. that's, you know, uh, uh, and they missed one. But I mean, that was the difference. We, and that was an area they were pretty good on both sides, and we won that, and we won that, and that won the game. All right, Rick. Well, let's. Uh, you know, we we've put the Patriots game to bed. It's Wednesday here at this point, yep. uh, recording this podcast on the week off here for the Indianapolis Colts. Let's talk about both sides of the ball. Ten games in, and and Rick, let's discuss reasons for optimism, reasons for concerns, and then discuss where the Colts kind of need to self scout 
heading into the last month and a half here of the season. So let's begin on offense and start with reasons for optimism because the Colts have scored 20 offensive points in 8 of 10 games this season, with the last two games being the outliers here. Uh, 10 games into the year as a head coach, Shane Steichen, as you talked about, he's he's shown a, a really good knack for game plans and uh, the creativity to move the ball against any defense the way he did against Tennessee, the way he did against Cleveland and New Orleans, all of those teams, you know, top 10 defenses. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is, he's back in the sense that He's taken over the the primary running back position and looks like his old self in terms of burst and physicality and health being the most important thing there. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr., he ranks ninth in the NFL and catches a really reliable target in key situations. Josh Downs is way ahead of schedule as a rookie. He's on pace for a 1,000-yard season. And then the offensive line, the O-line, collectively has bounced back after a disappointing season last year. Bernard Ryman has emerged, Rick, as a cornerstone left tackle that the Colts can build around. So what what are your other reasons for optimism surrounding the Colts' offense in these final seven games of the season, being able to build upon those things that I just mentioned that are positive for this team so far? Well, you know, I go back, really. I think you have to look back to go forward. I I think that I have so much faith in Steichen going forward, uh, doing this self-scout this week, uh, I think he really means it. I don't. I don't think that's. He's just going to take a look at it. I. He is very open to change. He's not afraid to self-check himself. I mean, this is a guy that came in here and brought cutting-edge football with Richardson. Got us way off to a good start. We looked right. We looked early in the season. You know, much further ahead, much further on schedule with the rookie quarterback. You know, he loses him. He goes with his backup, who now has played in nine games. And, you know, it was a seamless transition. Now, we'll get into some of the negatives because I knew, and I said it back then, there, there's going to be a point where people catch up with this offense, which, which they have, and we got to go forward. But we're still, you know, ninth in the league in scoring, seventh in the red zone, 13th total, you know. And then I think one of the key things, one of the key things, and I think our offensive line is played very, very well. They're they have they're up against it on the running game right now, but it's not because they're not playing hard. They are playing tough. They're moving people. They're protecting really really well. You know we're still number ten in the league and fewest sacks. And and I I give them extra credit here. It's a it's a it's a plus and a minus. Is they're having to hold the protection. I mean we're not. You know, we were early in the season, but now we're no longer getting free, quick access. And so that ball is either held a little bit longer or he will move out of the pocket because he doesn't feel it. And, uh, you know, but it isn't because the protection is breaking down, really. Our our protection has been really good. So I, I have great faith there. I have great faith in Jonathan. Jonathan is running against a stone wall most of the time. But he looks as good as ever to me. I mean, you know, some of his some of his runs, even those three and four yard runs, versus that bare front where he's just cutting and banging, and you know, if he ever gets the ball in space, he looks tough as heck, like he scored on the screen two weeks ago. So, in my opinion, we still have a great runner. We have a, as good a player as there is in the league at running back, who's full strength. If anything, he's probably fresher and is ready to make a run here. I think we've got a premium offensive line. I think they're playing that way. It's no longer 
amiss in talking about their contracts, uh, and we're fully healthy again, uh, which is great. Now, there's other things we got to do, but I think the combination of those things and, you know, I think they give us, uh, you know, and the, oh, and the third thing, and, you know, this, this I give credit to Shane, and in some cases, you know, in some cases in the last two weeks, it may be a situation where it's actually cost us some numbers and some glamour on offense, but we've really cut down that turnover. We're back to mm-hmm. plus one, and we started in a hole there. And so I would say with a, we have a great runner. We have a premium offensive line. We've stopped turning the ball over, and I can get into this as we go. I think Minshew's underrated. I know people are – you know, out there, well, he's holding the ball. That's uh, that's such a media cop-out. You have to understand why is he holding the ball, which I'll get into as we go on. But I think that's the critical aspect. I think Minshew is underrated. I, I, I think Jonathan Taylor is our best player, but I think Minshew has been our most valuable player on offense okay. to get us to 5-5, five and five. okay? You also, you kind of know your receiver core, and I mm-hmm. do think, if I have suggestions, which I'll get into, I think Shane has to get used to this. He had Devontae, you know, he had Devontae Smith mm-hmm. and A.J. Brown, and they could play a stationary game in Philly. We can't do that. We have to create free. Now, obviously, Downs can create it, but his knee is slowing him down. Downs is in a class by himself, a separation, and I'll get into all those things. But I think he's got to feel those receivers and how we – how. How we can utilize Pittman, who's a tough, hard worker, you use the term reliable, does the dirty work. How can we get him freer access quicker? Because Minshew thrives on quick, free access. He likes that quick passing game, and they're taking it away from us. But those other things are there. That running back is tremendous. That offensive line is premium. We've cut down our, our turnovers. I think Minshew is playing better than anybody's given him credit. He's number 12 in the league in QBR. I, I, you know, it's it's almost staggering. He's number 12. We just played the 31st and 28th on the other side, if you want to look at it the other way. I mean, I think he's done really well. So, I mean, I think those are the pluses, Matt. All right, meanwhile, let's go reasons for concern here at the bye on offense. Uh, the last two mm-hmm. games – only two offensive touchdowns, yeah. um, only three offensive touchdowns in the last five halves for the Colts. And like we talked about on Monday, Rick, the, the, the blueprint to beat the Colts, I mean, just generally yep. speaking, I mean, if you're talking about, you know, if you're if you're any other opponent playing this team, how do you stop the Colts offense? It's probably going to be, you know, on Sunday night, Monday morning, let's, let's talk about how we can stack the line of scrimmage, slow down Jonathan Taylor, dare Gardner Minshew to make some throws, because the Colts have rushed for less than 100 yards in back-to-back games, and when Minshew has has let it rip down the field, there's been picks. When he's been careful with it, the Colts just haven't been able to, to move the ball as efficiently as they have in the past. So what other concerns do you have for the Colts' offense heading into the last seven games? Well, you know, this thing all changed initially uh, with the loss of Anthony, okay? With Anthony in the game, okay, I have to go back history to go to now. With Anthony in the game, even if you gave us a bare front, okay, it, it was played differently. There was much more concern, much more caution on the edge. So it was a bare front inside, but on the edges, it was very controlled. 
because they had to worry about that zone read, yeah. that option run, those designed runs off tackle. And so you had that going. The other thing, and I'm making these points because I'm going to come back to them, the other thing that you got with Anthony is people did not want to play a ton of man-to-man against Anthony. You don't, you don't want all your players with their backs turned to the ball. So you got less press and you got more soft zone because everybody, when you play a guy like that, you got to have vision on him. You can't lose vision with people because he can turn a scramble into a punt return. Okay, So now early in the season, when people hadn't made the transition to Gardner. Yeah, they're still playing that, that soft, zone that, defense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that zone defense, that soft zone. What well, you know, I called it the thousand paper cut offense. And, <laughs> yeah. And Gardner could take you right down the field. I mean, he was so efficient. And we've seen that with him before because he used to play against zones versus the Colts. Yeah. And he, he what was he, 19 for 20 that one game? Yeah. If, you, if you play soft zone against him and give him those first level throws and get him in quick rhythm where he even gets more confidence then he kills you. Well, I even said it back then, and once we lost Anthony for the season, I just said, just beware now because, you know, people are going to come up with this once they establish who they are. And they know that we have an absolute great running back and really a great number two. So the first thing you're going to do as a defensive coordinator, you're going to say, we are going to deny the run. And they're not real variable in the running game. So we're going to line up in that bear. I call it the Jacksonville plan, and Belichick did his best imitation after that first series. They get in that bear, and see, they now they can play their ends aggressive because they're not worried about that outside. So they can pinch it down. They're bringing that eighth guy in the box with the free safety in the middle. So essentially, you have nine guys on inside the edge. I mean, from the edge in, you got nine guys, and it's impossible to sustain a zone running game. I'm saying this for a reason. It's impossible to sustain a zone running game against that defense. This has been proven for 30 years. And so, you know, I I am a little critical in that we keep trying to do it, and we did it in the first drive, but a lot of it was just Jonathan twisting and turning and making nothing into four, but then then it settles in and they got you. Okay, so... I think the the negative aspects of it are, one, now we're getting that bear plan from everybody, and it's stifling one of the best runners in football. I mean, you know, when he gets stifled or Moss gets stifled, that means they're doing it with numbers. They got no, they got numbers in there to do it. And then <clears throat> equally as tough is they know Gardner is a first-level quick rhythm when he's at his best and so what they're doing is they're denying they're, they have no respect for our, our receivers when they're standstill. So they're pressing the heck out of us mm-hmm. so that there's no quick releases, no quick free access. And then what Belichick did a little bit different, he added in his zone defense, everything was a matchup. So as soon as you came inside, the zone player has you man-to-man like basketball. And same thing on the edges. If Pittman ran a smash, that corner came right down with it, yeah. right down, even though it was zone defense. And so there's really no, you know, there's really, you deny the quick excess to him. And then if you get us third and long, just come after us with the house and, and you go from there. So, you know, those those three issues have to be solved here in the uh in the in this in this interim, those mm-hmm. those are the key issues. We talked about the strength, yeah. but those are the key issues we have to overcome. Rick Venturi, right there. That's a look at the 
offensive overview with this team, reasons for optimism and then reasons for concern on that side of the football. Let's go to the other line of scrimmage here. When the Colts are on defense, Rick, let's talk about reasons for optimism. At the bye, 10 games in, 7 games left. You know, on this two-game winning streak here, as you said, the Patriots and Panthers, they're not going to be confused with uh, the best offenses in the NFL, but the Colts have allowed just one touchdown, only four field goals over the last two games. Um, the pass rush is coming on. They've racked up nine sacks in the last two. Dio Adangbo has taken over the team lead there with six sacks on the season. Kenny Moore and Julian Blackman in the back end. Rick, they're playing like potential pro bowler. Zaire Franklin is backing up what he did in 2022 with an even better season this year. Um, they've also received some really good performances in the secondary from Daryl Baker Jr. and Jalen Jones the last two games at the outside corner spots. And then DeForest Buckner is still, you know, he's DeForest Buckner. He's still the focal point of that of that Colts pass rush on the inside. So well, what is your level of optimism in the Colts defense in the final seven here? Yeah, I, I have optimism if we just do a couple things and we continue to do them. You know, th there's no there's no question. I guess if, if you would have to look at us just statistically, you'd say the offense is descending a little bit and the defense is ascending a little bit. Now, I'm careful with that yeah. because these last two games, we sure. used to call them resume, ex re resume enhancers, to mm -hmm. be honest with you. If you're – if you're going to play good defense, you're going to do it against Moore. Yeah. You're going to do it against uh, Young gives us two touchdowns, and Jones gives us the one at the end where the guy's open in the end zone. But I would say that what I like about the defense, what I think our defense has gotten better at, uh, I'm going to point out four things. There's a lot of things you could you can point out, and obviously point total is critical. I'm not I'm not even counting that because that's just kind of assumed um, you know, when you when you give up, what is it, 19 points in two weeks, you're not going to lose many games, one touchdown in two weeks. So, you know, that that's definitely far and above everything else. But peeling the onion a little bit, <clears throat> here's where I think we've really improved because these things, these four things I'm going to talk about, all got away from us in 22. And they got away from us in that three weeks prior to this where we gave up 35 points and absolutely got clobbered by Cleveland and New Orleans and Jacksonville on defense. Just got absolutely torn apart. Well, here's where I think, and these these aren't glamorous, but they're 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 really gradually coming up. First of all, the red zone. Okay, we were down in the bottom five at the end of 22. Okay, we're up to 18. Now, how big was that? I've always said. The red zone is the. I used to tell our players the most important you th thing you do as a Saint or a Colt or a Brown is you play in the red zone. They used to call me God, family, and red zone, <laughs> and they, they always used to say not necessarily in that order for coach. And I mean, when you here's the here's the deal, Sunday. Here's the reality. Okay, we gave up three. 60-yard drives, you forget that, three 60-yard drives in the second half, but they didn't get anything out of it. Mm -hmm. We have kept both teams in the last two weeks. We have had five red zone stops out of six, okay, because the ball will always move 20 to 20. Almost no one is incapable right. of moving the ball from 2020. So it really comes down – to who can make that final 20 yards, who wins that. Yeah. And I've always called that the will over skill area because now you're not defensing depth. 
It's all about toughness, tight coverage, tight rush. So I think the fact that we've moved up to 18th there, takeaways. We always talk about the importance of takeaways. Shane has said it all week. We won the turnover battle in in five games. We've won five games. We didn't in five. We lost five games. And if if you look that over time, with possibly a couple anomalies, really over decades, you will you, that will always be. And so now we're creeping up. We're at number eleven. So we're kind of getting back to where we were when we played really good defense. And takeaways mask, like I told you the other day, for every takeaway, you take away. We used to say, you know, you, you take away fifty yards at least mm-hmm. off the other team's totals. I think the other thing, and this is huge because I've been a monitor on this forever, and we have lived at 31 and 32, and, we, and we've done it this year early, is our fourth quarter defense now has moved from that bottom feeder up to 16. And so, you know, we did, we did have to put an explanation point even on the last two weeks and we really had to put one on Sunday because they were driving. They had the momentum. They had. They were down there near the red zone. They had a chance to win it, and we finished it. And and I just think, you know, we can talk about all the other things, but as a great defense, you have to finish games. And then the other obvious thing <clears throat> is with sacks, you know, we've moved up to number nine. Yeah. And I think part of that, part of that, is really get settling on the rotations. You know, I can get into the negatives because we're really struggling against the run. That one we haven't figured out. Yeah. But what we've really figured out is passing down rotations. You know, you have Ebukan on the one side, you have Quiddy on the other side, and then what what you're really seeing is, you know, Buckner is a great player. I mean, you you mentioned those guys, Buckner, Moore, Blackman, and and I'm and and I would say Franklin and I would say Speed if he plays every down, which I'm advocating he plays every down. Those five guys will come; they will bone you, they will come after you. But Buckner demands Bunkner's ambient. He demands yeah. a special game plan, and what that's allowed is for the emerging star on this team, Dio Adengbo, to really just be a monster. I mean, he lost that Sal kid, the guard. Sal's still looking for him. He has no idea where he went. I mean, and he is just, he's a hes a versatile guy that's coming into his own. And I think the biggest thing with him is he had to get healthy. Uh, he's a great athlete. And the Colts had to really find the role for him. And I think they're doing that. And I think they could play him every down because I, yeah. I think he's a really good run player outside. But inside, he's a star. I said this last week on the podcast. I think he's de- he's definitely uh, you know potentially a a, a, a double digit sack guy and he's mm-hmm. getting really close to that mm-hmm. and so our pass rush when we get in those second and longs and third ru- and third and longs now is really formidable there's no doubt in my mind that it is it is a tough deal to go and you know where you really need that <clears throat> this is why you have to rest buckner some during the game is you got to have that in that fourth quarter because yeah. you know in the fourth quarter when you know they're going to pass, you've got to have a four-man rush that can get after them and and really destroy them. We can talk about the amount of pressure we should be bringing, but still, 
in the fourth quarter, I think it comes down more than that. Yeah. So just got to have you know, better I mean, players. I'm, I'm right. really pleased with those four things. Yeah, the Colts are definitely, you know, turning into a formidable uh, threat up front. Dio Adengbo on the inside and also on the outside, considering some of these situations. Now, you talked about some of the reasons for concern, and you know where I'm going, and I, I knew what you were going to talk about there because Sunday in Germany, another tough day against the run for the Colts. Ramondre yep. Stevenson and Ezekiel Elliott, they they bullied their way for 132 yards on 28 carries combined, and the Colts have allowed over 150 rushing yards in three of their last four and 138 rushing yards in all four games that Grover Stewart has missed. And, yeah. you know, they're going to have two more games without him, and they've given up an average of 154 rushing yards on the ground in their last four without him. The Browns, the Saints, the Panthers, and the Patriots. What is your level of concern with the Colts' inability to stop the run uh, at least for the next two games with Grover Stewart, who's still going to miss two games during his six-game suspension there. Yeah, you know, there's, there's no question. I have a big concern. <clears throat> and the thing about it is, is we know Grover's out. I mean, it's, it's like there wasn't any question about it, and we haven't really, you know, and I'm, and if I'm the head coach, this is how I'm talking to my assistants. You haven't done one thing. You haven't done one thing to try to, you know, come up with an idea, come up with a plan, come up with an alternate thing. Hell, I've given you three or four on the podcast. I mean, it isn't like it's rocket science. I mean, you know he was going to be gone. We, I think we're averaging giving up 154 and 4.7 right. since he was there. Sunday was really discouraging because really, uh, you knew Bill. Knowing Bill, I said it last week in a podcast, he is going to try to jam it down your throat with the two best players on his team, Stevenson. You know, and and and, and, Elliot, and Zeke, he, yeah. he was going to do it. So you know it's coming, and they end up with 167, 4.6. They got 11 minutes plus in time of possession, and if the guy doesn't throw a, 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 a ridiculous pass at the end, they probably come away with a win with a terrible football team. So I would say, yeah, it's it's a real, real problem. Uh, we can get into all my suggestions, both offense and defense, when we finish this, but – yeah, that is that is a huge problem right now, and I, I think it could be fatal if we don't fix it because you're going to play some teams that aren't inept throwing the ball coming mm-hmm. up. I right. mean, you know, Mayfield is not bad. Uh, Joey in three weeks. I mean, teams that if they're able to run the ball, then they're going to turn your corners every way but loose. Yeah. Um, so I, that is a concern. My other concern is whether or not Gus will continue. I thought he did a really good job in the um, <clears throat> in the in the game at uh, at Carolina. I thought he did a really good job in two areas. I thought he did a really good job of helping the corners. You can't you can't play these seven weeks and not play the corner. You can't play Hawk three for the next seven weeks and think you're going to be in the playoffs. You have to have a mixture outside of cover two roll one way, roll the other way, man under. There's got to be ways that you protect the corners. And then there also has to be a higher pressure ratio. It can't be that 14% that we live in. It's got to be a much closer to 30. And I think those two things, if we do those things, we'll be fine. I'm just, it's not his character to do them. He did do them there. He didn't, he didn't have to do them because there were just no wide receivers to defend in New England. So I'm not I don't even count that game, but I'm thinking going ahead, you know, those uh, those are my two biggest concerns 
um, you know, from that standpoint. Rick Venturi right there with the offensive and defensive overviews. The Colts are at the bye. Seven games left. Back even, 500 on the season at 5-5. Five and five. Before we close out, Rick, let's uh, let's talk about some breakout players. We'll stay with that same theme on, on one on the offensive side of the ball, the other on the defensive side of the ball. Which player on offense is set for a breakout end to the 2023 season? Is it Jonathan Taylor? Is it Josh Downs? I know you're high on Gardner Minshew. Give me the one guy that is most poised for a breakout end in the final seven games. Well, I really hope it's a Jonathan, to be honest with you. And, uh, you know, that gets into a little bit of usage. Um, I think you know what you got in Pittman. You're going to have that reliability. You're going to have high volume. Mm -hmm. But you're not going to have big plays. You're not going to get creativity. You're not getting it with Pierce. You would get it. I I would say that Downs will have a breakout, but I just don't know where that knee is. I'm worried about that. I'm worried about Mm -hmm. can he hold up over seven weeks. When he's in the game, he's he's just sensational. It's it's Taylor and Downs that that's who make you you better and and Minshew functions within those guys. Um, I do think that we're going to have to, if it's going to be Jonathan, we have to alter the running game. We have we know what we're going to see the rest of the way. We're going to see it week after week after week, and I think we got to be a little bit more like Tennessee in that we get tight ends in the game. Uh, tight ends used as fullbacks. I think we have to be a little bit more power kick uh, related, seal down against this bear, bang them off tackle, bang them off tackle, but do it with seal blocking. Don't do it with man or zone blocking because then you can't get to the linebackers. I think, you know, that part of it's going to be critical. And then even if downs, but I think for Pittman especially, one thing that I'd like to see us do, this is what Gruden used to do to us when I was in New Orleans and he had an offense without much speed at receiver. Okay, he would close down the formations. In other words, we used to call it a tight two-by-two, or it was a bunch to one side with X very close on the other side. Mm -hmm. And what I call that is condensation to the formation. Okay, now what's the idea? You condense the formation, and then you explode out. And so, you know, first of all, you you can get Pittman free access, but you get him down on the secondary because what the secondary will do is they'll close tight and closer. You see what I'm saying? And you can get to those formations with motion and get them out there where you can get quick rhythm again, where you can get a quick ball to the tight end. All those things can really help you, and they can help Gardner, and they can help the rest of our guys. But I think all those things – I think the one thing Shane is used to standstill football because their philosophy at Philadelphia is – if you're going to put nine guys up here to stop me on the run, I'm just going to throw the ball outside to De, to Devontae, right. and I'm going to throw it outside to AJ because you can't play them one-on-one. Well, they can play our guys one-on-one. <clears throat> so we have to be <clears throat> much more creative in getting those guys open. But it'll it'll come down to that. Uh, I, I think, you know, the good wine will always come to the top. So at the end of the day, I think it'll be Jonathan, and if he's healthy, Downs. All right, then on defense, the player on that side of the ball that's going to dominate these last seven games. Is it Grover Stewart once he comes back? Again, he's got two games left on his suspension. Zaire Franklin looking to break his own tackle record from last season. Again, he's on pace to do that. Dio Adangbo continues to break out with the sacks, stacking you know, good performances upon what he did in Germany with the career-high three sacks against the Patriots. The one guy on defense you think is going to tear it up in the final seven for the Colts. 
Yeah, that's that's a really good question because right now there's a lot of guys that are balling it. Um, you know, Buckner is a tremendous player, but he gets game plans. He really does. He gets, you know, that's what an ambient player gets is yeah. is really game planned. Um, I, there's no question that Grover will have a huge impact on us. I still believe that teams are looking at us as so simple in the front. We do nothing on the front on first down but play over. And so my suggestion is get into some bear defense, get into some inside blitzing on run blitzes on first down. Grover will make us better, but he won't be the answer. The other thing is Franklin is playing good. Just get him healthy in the next week. And I think the most important thing is get speed in there for Leonard. you just got to get a hammer in there. You can't get a guy that isn't contacting people. You've got to get that other guy in there, and that's the only way. And if we don't stop the run, then we're going to be really vulnerable on other things. Okay, I think the second thing is that pass defense, making sure we can move that around. As far as the breakout guys go, I, I think it's going to be a lot like Sunday. I think the guy that's going to benefit most – uh, from where we're headed and what they do with Buckner is Odengbo. I think he's got the confidence. Right. Yeah. I think you can get him one-on-one. Uh, he's already, what is it, six and a half now? Yep. He's well on his way to double digits. Um, you're going to get him ideal matchups. I wouldn't take him off the field. I really wouldn't. I'd play him on first down. I've said this um, many times in the last <laughs> 24 hours. I think the only thing that will stop him from stardom now is not playing every down. Yeah. Uh, Kenny Moore is a breakout player, and you know he's been a breakout player every ball game this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know he gives us great edge play. Uh, he's a he's a turnover guy. Blackman's right with him. He's right with him. Again, stop that inside running game, and and don't get away from protecting those corners because next week you're going to have. You're going to have Evans yeah. and Godwin oh, yeah. out there, and they're they're going to make these guys we played the last two weeks. You, they'll make <laughs> them forget those guys. And then if Cincinnati gets healthy, yeah. you know, with Chase and Higgins and Boyd, that's another that's another world here in the next three weeks. All right, Rick Venturi, well done with the breakdown here today. The Colts on an off week and a look at the offense and defense heading into the bye. Seven games left. And some time off here. Rick, what do you have going on the rest of the bye week? How do you fill up the time, some non-football activities as you rest up for the home stretch? Well, I have uh, <laughs> I have one non-football activity, and that's those two-wheelers that I own. So, you know, we're, we're going to have another 60-day tomorrow, today. Yep, yep. So we'll put a little mileage on that. Yep. Uh, and uh, just kind of just kind of chill out, you know. Trying to get, <laughs> I'm trying to get my health back all together. It's just been a a bunch of little things that are controllable, but they they seem to all be hitting me at once. And so I'm going to get a little, you know, just kind of chill out this weekend and be ready to go for Tampa. And yeah, nobody needs to buy more than Rick, right? Let's go! <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I hate to say it. I hate to say it. But it always I, comes I, at the perfect time, and you can attest. <laughs> I can attest too. I'm a little worn out as well, so it's it's good to kind of hit the recharge these batteries uh, on on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday coming up. Watch some football and then gear up for Colts and Buccaneers uh, the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Well, rest up, my friend. Enjoy the weekend off. Watch some football. I know you're going to be taking Miss Sherry out in the town as you should. So yes, uh, we'll, I will. We'll get back to the blueprints next week, breaking down the Bucks, and uh, we will talk to you next Wednesday. Rick, always enjoy our time. Thanks as always. 
Yeah, same to you, man. I love it, and uh, we'll be back in that booth against Tampa. Indeed. Back in the saddle, week number 12, and that's Rick Venturi. I'm Matt Taylor, and that'll do it for this week's installment of Inside Football. Plenty of Colts conversation despite no game this Sunday. And, of course, for more on the Colts, keep it locked here on the Colts Audio Network. And, again, we'll talk to you next week, next Wednesday, breaking down the Colts and the Buccaneers following Thanksgiving. But until then, have a great rest of your week. And thanks for listening to Inside Football with Rick Venturi. I'm Matt Taylor. So long for now here on the Colts Audio Network.